0: What's up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew, coming to you with another episode of The Founder's Journal, my public diary where I talk about the wins, the losses, the challenges of running uh, a media business as a first-time co-founder. And today we talk about two very important things. One is about getting my first one-star rating on my podcast and the emotional windfall that happened after seeing that rating. And the second is commenting on partnerships and what what are good examples of partnerships and what do I look for when striking partnerships with Morning Brew? Uh, And this was inspired from seeing the recent partnership between ESPN and Peloton. So let's hop into it. My first question to bring you into this, and I know Peloton is what caught your eye, but if you can go back to when Morning Brew was smaller and earlier on and younger in our existence. Uh, what your perspective on partnerships was and and was it hard to get them? Which ones did you try and do but might have failed? Let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, so partnerships for Morning Brew was like everything in the beginning because if you think about it, when we were first starting as a business, we didn't have the money to spend on paid marketing. Like now we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, buying ads and other email newsletters, but we didn't have that luxury at the time. So basically, our growth as a business was either from our college ambassador program, people referring other people with their referral link with Morning Brew, or it was partnerships with other newsletters or media companies. You know, for us, what we gravitated towards was partnerships with other email newsletters because we very quickly learned that when you partner with someone on a like medium, it is way more fruitful. So if you have a podcast, And you do a cross promotion or partnership with another podcast, you will likely see stronger results than if you were a podcast that had partnered with an email newsletter. We saw the same thing with Morning Brew. The second thing we learned quickly with early partnerships is when we tried partnering with very large companies like that supposedly had tons of traffic and tons of users, the number of subscribers that they drove us were minimal. And so what we started focusing on was niche newsletters that had very meaningful, but not massive audiences, but very passionate audiences. A final piece of it was we looked to partner always with publications and newsletters that were just a little bit bigger than us. We were always trying to play a game of leapfrog, knowing just how much bigger can a partner be from us to still, you know, basically look them in the eyes and say, this partnership is worth it. Um, and as time has gone on, Partnerships have gotten easier with the brew, just as our audience has gotten bigger. But I think that leapfrog strategy still holds true today. And to be specific, a couple of weeks ago, you did an Instagram live with Food 52 where you made a frittata. Like, yeah, can you walk through how a partnership like that looks in your mind from a business perspective today? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's two recent partnerships that we've done at the brew for very two very different reasons. The first was. Food 52, which is a food publication um, that talks about recipes and kind of best practices for foodies or people that like to cook. And the reason this was exciting to me was while we have a larger newsletter audience to them, they have a significantly larger social audience. We've been putting a lot of emphasis recently on growing Morning Brew's social presence because we want to have more touch points with our audience. And so this was a good example of what I think our best characteristics of a strong partnership. And so what we had the ability to do was do an Instagram live, which we've been doing them anyway. We've been trying to do lives that all cater to the business professional, but not just in a professional setting, also like the business professional's lifestyle. So we've done everything from live workouts to live interviews with business people. And so the idea of cooking something with whatever you have in your home seemed to make a lot of sense for the psychographic of our audience, which is someone who's really busy, working a lot of hours, and just wants to throw together really easy recipes so that they can make meals for themselves. And so for us, this was a win-win in growing our social audience. We promoted them in our newsletter so that they would get growth to their newsletter and to their website. And it didn't require a lot of extra work because we were going to create our social content and our Instagram lives as it was. You know, this relates to Of the entire idea for why I wanted to talk about partnerships was yesterday I did a Peloton ride with Alex Toussaint, who is one of my favorite instructors, and he's kind of become this mini celebrity to me. Like, I just think about the day when we're all out of quarantine and I can go to a live Peloton class and watch and be in the class with Alex Toussaint. To me, like, that'll be like seeing a celebrity that that'll be like you know my Justin Bieber when I go into class. But the, the collaboration was. Alex Tucson and Peloton collaborated with ESPN. ESPN has been running this documentary on Michael Jordan called "The Last Dance," and it's been getting a ton of PR. But I thought it was a really incredible partnership for for so many reasons, and so I loved the class, and it made me think about what are the characteristics of a great partnership. Okay, and bring it into the education partnership. Well, before going into the education partnership, I just want to talk about like what made the Peloton ESPN partnership worth it so i took this Peloton class and it felt like the class was completely designed to pay homage to the last dance so everything from michael jordan had six rings like he had won six championships as a basketball player so in the class this was a 30-minute class there were six hills or challenges in the ride to give the nod to michael jordan alex Toussaint, the instructor he was a competitive basketball player growing up, so this was like the most authentic thing for him because he grew it grew up like idolizing MJ. And then finally, one of the last challenges of the ride was you had to keep your output as a Peloton rider above 230. And for people that don't do Peloton, output is basically the combination of how hard it is to pedal and how fast you're pedaling. And the number they said you had to keep output above was 230. They took. Michael Jordan's number 23 multiplied it by 10, and that was the number you had to keep. The reason I thought this was such a smart partnership was it was low lift. Peloton was already making these classes. They're making classes on a daily basis. And so all they had to do was change the script a little bit to make it specific to The Last Dance. It leaned onto each partner's strengths. Peloton creates great exercise content. ESPN creates great IP and storytelling around the sports world. It was a logical collaboration because one could assume that someone who's doing a lot of exercise is probably also passionate about sports and is an ESPN watcher, Uh, so there's audience overlap. And what you saw come out of this partnership was a lot of PR. If you look up Last Dance or Peloton and ESPN on Twitter, they've gotten so much press from just micro-influencers calling out the class. 70,000 people have taken this class now, so that's 70,000 new eyeballs. That have been attracted to ESPN into the Last Dance documentary. It's been called out in Sports Illustrated, the LA Times, Front Office Sports. But anyway, to me, this was characteristic of a great partnership for all those reasons. You know, I'd love to hear from listeners or people listening live right now. What are other product collaborations or company partnerships that you think have made a lot of sense, or any collaborations that you think make no sense? One other thing that I didn't mention that's characteristic of of some good partnerships, but not all, like it didn't make sense in the context of Peloton and ESPN, but if I were to look at what you had mentioned before, which is Morning Brew's most recent education partnership, we partnered with Scott Galloway's new education startup, Section 4. It had the audience overlap, so it was authentic. We were creating awareness around Section 4 and bringing them new customers, but for us, I made so much sense is it allowed us to test a potential new business in a low risk, low cost way. And that's where I see partnerships making a lot of sense as well. So for us, we have to lean into what we're really good at, which is we have an audience that's captivated. We know how to create great ad copy. We can help provide landing page feedback so it's compelling to a customer. But then section four, Scott Galloway's company, has all the know-how around course design. We knew we were partnering. With a best-in-class MBA professor, we knew we were partnering with a company that had designed a course that people loved taking. And so for us, this was the best first test to see, does our audience have appetite for continuing education before we go and build the whole thing ourselves? And so that's another example where I think a partnership makes a ton of sense. What's the counter argument? When, when shouldn't you do partnerships? It, it might feel good, look good, sound good, but what, what's the counter argument? I think the counter argument is, is partnerships take a shit ton of time. Like to establish good partnerships, they take a lot of time and I think what you'll also find is for every one partnership that does work out, there are nine partnerships that don't work out. Like I really do believe it's like a 10% hit rate on partnerships and that's why it's so important to be able to identify like what are the key characteristics of a good partnership? And so the counter argument to me is if you if you're not setting up a partnership that at least at first is low lift, where there's significant audience overlap that leans into each partner's strength that is a logical and authentic collaboration. I think you run the risk of of this massive time suck in the 90% of the time that you're not setting a partnership up the right way. So, um to take it back to the first thing we mentioned in the episode, which was podcast ratings. I'm not going to guilt anyone listening right now to go give me a rating, but I want to talk about the feeling that I experienced about 30 minutes ago when I went to Apple Podcasts I went to the Founders Journal. I saw I had nine ratings, which again, I, I hope I had, had more, but uh, it, there's momentum. We're up from four last week. In my head, I had this kind of false narrative going to see how long could this podcast go where I would have all five-star ratings and the streak is over. I saw my first one-star rating, one out of a five, it's the, the worst possible rating you could give someone. and It was really interesting for me to just observe the, the emotional experience of seeing one star. Like I would say that I, I consider myself to have thick skin, you know. to think that I've gone through adversity to make myself stronger. But when I saw that one star, I was like, what the fuck? Like every question went through my head like, who left me this one star rating? Why did they believe that the Founders Journal was a one star? Was it really that bad? Why couldn't they leave me feedback so I at least could have something actionable to do? Is this a Morning Brew competitor who's simply just trying to rain on my parade and make me feel shitty? But the long story short is, as thick of skin as any of us have, it is still shitty to get feedback. Like People welcome field feedback, but when you hear you're not doing something well, it's still going to impact you. So we don't have to pretend like things don't impact us, but I think it's the way that we handle that information and navigate based on that information that defines who we are. So the long story short is, I got my first one star. It's okay. We'll get through it. It's not going to be the last, but for those of you that have given five stars and continue to write in about the podcast, thank you so much for being engaged listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you understand how to forge partnerships with your within your own companies or careers now, and uh, I'll catch you tomorrow.